Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Well, hi, hi, it's Kate here, and it is fantastic to have you joining me for this week's episode of The New Way. It is cold, it's grey, it's a rainy day here today, and I have the heater pumping in my office. I'm in my home office today because I'm working on a few things that really require deep work. Do you know what I mean? The kind that you can really get done best when you've got some of that precious quiet time without interruptions. (laughs) My dogs are taking full advantage of my working from home today. I can see them snoozing away in front of the heating, snug as bugs. (laughs) So cute. Anyway, enough of that. Let's dive into today's topic. You know, more often than not, I find clients telling me that their organization has screwed up an important change initiative in the past. It might not even be that it's like a once-off thing, but quite often internally, it seems that the organization has a reputation or parts of the organization have a reputation for being bad at change historically. Now, if that's the situation that you're in, don't worry, you're not alone. In fact, experience tells me that it's a really common occurrence. The problem is, of course, that if your organization has a history of screwing up change, It can make your current or your next change or transformation initiative a whole lot harder. If you're trying to lead change in an organization that has stuffed it up in the past, you're probably going to notice that employees are kind of cynical and indifferent. You might even observe something that folks call change fatigue, and I'll talk more about that in a future episode. But for now, think of change fatigue symptoms as all of the ways that the team could be demonstrating that they don't trust or believe you in a really a passive aggressive kind of way <laughs> without actually ever saying that they don't trust or believe you out loud. Think of that kind of thing. That is change fatigue. It's that kind of passive resignation or, yeah, mate, whatever kind of vibes. (laughs) You should expect to be met with plenty of that energy in an organization that's historically bad at change. And of course, even if you're new to the organization or the change leadership role yourself, you're still going to have to deal with the historical shortcomings because your team and your employees are still stepping into or working from that track record of failure. If anything I've just said describes your role or your organization or the change initiative that you're leading, this episode is for you. (laughs) I'm sharing the eight step plan that I usually recommend to clients in this kind of situation. 
Now, given that we don't have much time together today, this is going to be a summary of each step with tips to help you get moving in the right direction. In practice, some steps are easier or they're completed more quickly. Some are a little bigger and maybe more involved. And of course, these may be more or less relevant to your unique context as always, right? So the first tip I recommend is to assume that folks don't trust you or your intent and that they expect your change or your transformation initiative to fail too. I know, I know, I'm sorry to start with a tough love like that, but approaching things with this assumption will really help everything that you do next. It's not personal, it's likely to be true, and it helps to appropriately guide strategy, planning, decision-making, and how you engage with stakeholders. I promise this kind of assumption upfront is really a power move for you. Your next power move and tip number two is to openly acknowledge the pain and frustration of past failure. This is something that leaders often get wrong and they want to rush past. And I understand why, you know, we want to forget the past and focus on selling the vision we have for the future. We're excited and we want to inject fresh, you know, forward focused energy to motivate people. But Before you do any of that, I encourage you to acknowledge that folks have been burnt before, that you know their investment, their commitment and sacrifices were great, that the pain is real and how very sorry you are for what they've been through. You might think that I'm being over the top with this, but I am not. A few years back, I started working with a government client, as I often do. Now, in my first week on site, everyone in different ways, and they didn't realize they were doing it, but everyone kept talking to me about a really significant restructure, which was a machinery of government driven thing that had happened seven years earlier. Clearly the change had not been handled well, right? And many folks were still holding on to the pain of it. It was still at the top of their mind. They didn't even realize at that point it was just so ingrained in the culture. It was something that really impacted the entire organization. Seven years on, people felt unacknowledged and like their opinion didn't matter. Imagine the impact of that situation and what the impact on the organization over all those years. And now imagine how things might have been different and all of the potential if that collective pain had been genuinely acknowledged and resolved seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago. I'm telling you, if your organization has a history of screwing up change, do not skimp on this step. Okay. The next tip is to humbly ask folks to hear you out about why this transformation initiative under your leadership could be different. Now, this is about taking on the tone of asking and partnering rather than telling or delegating. That's a very, very important distinction. Our goal here is for employees and stakeholders that have been burnt before to agree to hear you out with a genuinely open mind. This is important because, of course, organizational change only happens because the individual people that make up the business genuinely agree to participate. They always have free will, as all of us do. And when change hasn't gone well in the past, respectfully acknowledging that free will is really, really important. So 
This is about that humbly asking and partnering and asking for them to suspend their disbelief and to have an open mind. Tip four is to diagnose why change has failed in the past and then to build a plan that uses the results of your diagnosis, you know, all that evidence base that you have that clearly lays out how we're going to mitigate or avoid all of those problems and take advantage of our organizational strengths this time round. Now, EverChange has a transformation diagnostic tool that we use to do this, or you might choose to do it in-house. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do this, and we'll talk more about that another time. But for now, I will say there is a lot of power in having an objective third party diagnose the organization's transformation maturity and having the leadership team name the reasons why things failed in the past. Okay. There's a lot of power in that. Tip number five is to actively seek feedback on the change experience from your employees throughout the change journey as the implementation team is rolling out that plan. Now, this is about creating a sense of ongoing dialogue with your people, and that really helps to rebuild trust. And it's also about tracking progress against KPIs, of course, and looking out for red flags. So this is really important. For example, the biggest, biggest, biggest red flag that you need to keep your eye out for is staff saying that the change experience, what's going on for them, feels the same as it has in the past where things failed. That's a really big problem. And if it comes up, it's one that you need to get to the bottom of and resolve really quickly. If you're genuinely wanting to see success with transformation in your organization this time around. Of course, there are a bunch of ways that you can gather input and feedback. And one that is really time intensive, but it has a very big payoff is for the senior leader in charge of the change or the transformation initiative. And that might be you to literally attend meetings, team meetings or team morning teas, whether you're hanging out together in a room together or over Zoom virtually and asking questions like, how does this change program feel to you? And what's working and what's going really well as far as you can see? And what could we improve on? Those kinds of questions. Gathering feedback through conversations like those conversational questions that are open-ended is a very effective uh, way to gather feedback because it helps you do a number of things at once. First, you're helping your folks learn about the change. These conversations with you could be the most impactful communication they have on this topic. Then you're also encouraging your people to reflect on where they are personally in the change process. And by doing that, they are participating, they are engaging. And of course, by fronting up and asking open-ended questions and really listening to the responses that you get, You're also showing people that you actually care and that helps build trust, of course. Now, next tip number six is to tap into and enlist the support of the engine room in your organization. I am talking specifically about your directors and your assistant directors here. So I'm talking about your EL cohort if you're in government, okay? When you're trying to drive change in an organization that has a history of failure with this stuff, a top-down approach isn't enough. I say you also need to activate and drive change from the middle within the organization. So 
Make sure that you and your change team do everything they can to engage and support and activate your EL ones and your EL twos. They have direct influence over employees and more than you do probably. So you really, really want them on board. They are very influential. Ultimately, the goal should be that they confidently spread key messages and motivate their teams across the organization. Getting this right is a total game changer and it makes success this time around way, way more likely. Now, the second last tip that I'm sharing today might not sit well with you. So get ready for it and hear me out. It is to think about negotiating for more time to deliver the change, to kind of recalibrating yours and everyone's expectations about when outcomes will happen. Now, if you've been tuning in with me for a while now, I bet that you've heard me talk about how important quick wins can be to get the ball rolling and build momentum for your transformation program. And that still totally stands. But when we're dealing with a population of employees that have been burnt and let down before, time is your friend. Time is a huge asset in this situation. Trying to force change, you know, in a really aggressive timeline is just unlikely to work in this context. Instead, planning for a sustained change effort over time is going to help the organization really adopt the change all of the individuals in the organization really adopt the change and help absorb it into the culture. By the way, the senior leadership team will typically buy in and take on change far, far more quickly and easily than the rest of the organization. So whatever you do, please don't assume the change is successfully done and dusted just because you and the folks around you have bought in. Sadly, it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) There's a whole many more individuals that we need to support. (laughs) And last but definitely not least, the last tip that I'm sharing today is to do what you can to build a culture of psychological safety. Now, you might have heard that term before, but just so we're on the same page, I think of psychological safety as the shared belief by a team that it is safe to share their thoughts and opinions, that they're not going to be embarrassed or ridiculed or punished in some way if they open up. It's about creating a culture where folks feel comfortable to take interpersonal risks by opening up and speaking honestly and unaggressively. Now, I've been in closed door settings before where senior executives have said that they think psychological safety is just a huge wank. (laughs) So if you're thinking something similar right now, no worries. I get it. (laughs) It takes a lot of consideration, capacity building and effort to get this right. And I get that it can feel like a massive pain in the ass. But there are two very big reasons why I encourage you to focus on this if you're in that situation of dealing with and trying to drive change through a legacy of change failure. First, one of the biggest, biggest benefits of creating this type of safety at work is that your employees will naturally feel like a big part of their role is to help make the organization better. That's why people are trying to share their opinions and be heard in the first place. (laughs) Second, and very importantly to us here, if your people aren't comfortable sharing honestly about what's not working, then it is impossible for the organization to prevent failure. If people won't tell you the truth, 
It is very hard to know uh, whether you're on track or not, and you have no idea about potential issues that could totally blindside you. It could derail any hope of successful transformation and be completely devastating to the organization. So this is really important shit. There's a lot that you can do to help build psychological safety across your organization. But you can start simply with open-ended questions, engaging people and really listening without judgment. You can also be saying thank you anytime someone raises something that you might not have wanted to hear. (laughs) You can do it by asking for help genuinely and then receiving that help and also by giving help when asked acknowledging expertise at all levels of the business and respecting that expertise, not just assuming that there's expertise at the leadership team level. And of course, by recognizing and rewarding folks who model your organizational values. So there you have it, a whistle-stop tour of my eight-step approach to leading change when there's a legacy of failed attempts and tips for each step. Tip number one is to assume that folks don't trust you or your intent. They will just be expecting more of the same failure. That is the best assumption to go into this with. Next, tip number two is to acknowledge the pain of past failure and apologize. Tip number three is about humbly asking people to hear you out with an open mind. You really want to think dialogue and partnership here. Tip number four is to diagnose why change hasn't worked out in the past and to make an evidence-based plan that shows why this time will be different. Tip number five is to actively seek feedback and input from employees and stakeholders throughout the change journey. Tip number six is to enlist support from the middle within. Do whatever you can to get directors and assistant directors on board, sharing messages and motivating staff. They have a lot of influence in this situation and are really worth supporting in a very proactive and practical kind of way. Tip number seven is to think about asking for more time to deliver change that is really embedded in the culture, if that's something that you need to do. And lastly, tip number eight is all about focusing on building a culture of psychological safety so that you can access the brain's trust. That's it. What a huge episode. We covered so much ground together today. Thank you for sticking with me. I hope that you loved our chat and that you found this topic super valuable. I would love to hear from you. So please drop me a note on LinkedIn. I'm at Dr. Kate Byrne and let me know which tips stood out to you the most, which did you like and why. As always, please share this episode with at least one other person. Two, if you can manage it, would be amazing, but one is incredible that you think it might help so that we can spread these ideas far and wide. All you need to do if you're listening to this podcast on your phone is take a quick screenshot now of the little podcasty episode and then shoot your friend a message telling them to tune in. Thank you so, so much for joining me. I can't wait to connect with you again soon. Have a great week. Bye for now. Bye.